Section 12 of A General View of Positivism. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Oxnard. A General View of Positivism by Auguste Comte. Translated by John Henry Bridges. Chapter 3. The Action of Positivism upon the Working Classes. Part 3. Property has been erroneously represented by most modern jurists as conferring an absolute right upon the possessor, irrespectively of the good or bad use made of it. This view is instinctively felt by the working classes to be unsound, and all true philosophers will agree with them. It is an antisocial theory, due historically to exaggerated reaction against previous legislation of a peculiarly oppressive kind. But it has no real foundation, either in justice or in fact. Property can neither be created nor even transmitted by the sole agency of its possessor. The cooperation of the public is always necessary, whether in the assertion of the general principle or in the application of it to each special case. Therefore the tenure of property is not to be regarded as a purely individual right. In every age and in every country the state has intervened to a greater or less degree, making property subservient to social requirements. Taxation evidently gives the public an interest in the private fortune of each individual, an interest which, instead of diminishing with the progress of civilization, has always been on the increase, especially in modern times, now that the connection of each member of society with the whole is becoming more apparent. The practice of confiscation, which also is in universal use, shows that in certain extreme cases the community considers itself authorised to assume entire possession of private property. Confiscation has, it is true, been abolished for a time in France, but this isolated exception is due only to the abuses which recently accompanied the exercise of what was in itself an undoubted right and it will hardly survive when the causes which led to it are forgotten, and the power which introduced it has passed away. In their abstract views of property, then, communists are perfectly able to maintain their ground against the jurists. They are right again in dissenting as deeply as they do from the economists, who lay it down as an absolute principle that the application of wealth should be entirely unrestricted by society. This error, like the one just spoken of, is attributable to instances of unjustifiable interference. But it is utterly opposed to all sound philosophical teaching, although it has certain appearance of truth, insofar as it recognises the subordination of social phenomena to natural laws. But the economists seem to have adopted this important principle only to show how incapable they are of comprehending it. Before they applied the conception of law to the higher phenomena of nature, they ought to have made themselves well acquainted with its meaning, as applied to the lower and more simple phenomena. Not having done so, they have been utterly blind to the fact that the order of nature becomes more and more modifiable as it grows more complicated. This conception lies at the very root of our whole practical life. Therefore nothing can excuse the metaphysical school of economists for systematically resisting the intervention of human wisdom in the various departments of social action. 
that the movement of society is subject to natural laws is certain but this truth instead of inducing us to abandon all efforts to modify society should rather lead to a wiser application of such efforts since they are at once more efficacious and more necessary in social phenomena than in any other so far therefore the fundamental principle of communism is one in which the positivist school must obviously adopt positivism not only confirms this principle but widens its scope by showing its application to other departments of human life by insisting that not wealth only but that all our powers shall be devoted in the true republican spirit to the continuous service of the community the long period of revolution which has elapsed since the middle ages has encouraged individualism in the moral world as in the intellectual it has fostered the specializing tendency but both are equally inconsistent with the final order of modern society in all healthy conditions of humanity the citizen whatever his position has been regarded as a public functionary whose duties and claims were determined more or less distinctly by his faculties the case of property is certainly no exception to this general principle proprietorship is regarded by the positivist as an important social function the function namely of creating and administering that capital by means of which each generation lays the foundation for the operations of its successor this is the only tenable view of property and wisely interpreted it is one which while ennobling to its possessor does not exclude a due measure of freedom it will in fact place his position on a firmer basis than ever but the agreement here pointed out between sociological science and the spontaneous inspirations of popular judgment goes no farther positivists accept and indeed enlarge the programme of communism but we reject its practical solution on the ground that it is at once inadequate and subversive the chief difference between our own solution and theirs is that we substitute moral agencies for political thus we come again to our leading principle of separating spiritual from temporal power a principle which disregarded as it has hitherto been in the system of modern renovators will be found in every one of the important problems of our time to be the sole possible issue in the present case while throwing such light on the fallacy of communism it should lead us to excuse the fallacy by reminding us that politicians of every accredited school are equally guilty of it at a time when there are so very few even of cultivated minds who have a clear conception of this the primary principle of modern politics it would be harsh to blame the people for still accepting a result of revolutionary empiricism which is so universally adopted by other classes i need not enter here into any detailed criticism of the utopian scheme of plato it was conclusively refuted twenty-two centuries ago by the great aristotle who thus exemplified the organic character by which even in its earliest manifestations the positive spirit is distinguished in modern communism moreover there is one fatal inconsistency which while it proves the utter weakness of the system testifies at the same time to the honourable character of the motives from which it arose modern communism differs from the ancient as expounded by plato in not making women and children common as well as property a result to which the principle itself obviously leads yet this the only consistent view of communism is adopted by none but a very few literary men whose affections in themselves too feeble 
have been perverted by vicious intellectual training our untaught proletaries who are the only communists worthy our consideration are nobly inconsistent in this respect indivisible as their erroneous system is they only adopt that side of it which touches on their social requirements the other side is repugnant to all their highest instincts and they utterly repudiate it without discussing these chimerical schemes in detail it will be well to expose the errors inherent in the method of reasoning which leads to them because they are common to all the other progressive schools the positivist school excepted the mistake consists in the first place in disregarding or even denying the natural laws which regulate social phenomena and secondly in resorting to political agencies where moral agency is the real thing needed the inadequacy and the danger of the various utopian systems which are now setting up their rival claims to bring about the regeneration of society are all attributable in reality to these two closely connected errors for the sake of clearness i shall continue to refer specially to communism as the most prominent of these systems but it will be easy to extend the bearing of my remarks to all the rest the ignorance of the true laws of social life under which communists labour is evident in their dangerous tendency to suppress individuality not only do they ignore the inherent preponderance in our nature of the personal instincts but they forget that in the collective organism the separation of functions is a feature no less essential than the cooperation of functions suppose for a moment that the connection between men could be made such that they were physically inseparable as has been actually the case with twins in certain cases of monstrosity society would obviously be impossible extravagant as this supposition is it may illustrate the fact that in social life individuality cannot be dispensed with it is necessary in order to admit of that variety of simultaneous efforts which constitutes the immense superiority of the social organism over every individual life the great problem for man is to harmonize as far as possible the freedom resulting from isolation with the equally urgent necessity for convergence to dwell exclusively upon the necessity of convergence would tend to undermine not merely our practical energy but our true dignity since it would do away with the sense of personal responsibility in exceptional cases where life is spent in forced subjection to domestic authority the comforts of home are often not enough to prevent existence from becoming an intolerable burden simply from the want of sufficient independence what would it be then if everybody stood in a similar position of dependence towards a community that was indifferent to his happiness yet no less a danger than this would be the result of adopting any of those utopian schemes which sacrifice true liberty to uncontrolled equality or even to an exaggerated sense of fraternity wide as the divergence between positivism and the economic schools is positivists adopt substantially the strictures which they have passed upon communism especially those of dunoyer their most advanced writer there is another point in which communism is equally inconsistent with the laws of sociology acting under false views of the constitution of our modern industrial system it proposes to remove its directors who form so essential a part of it an army can no more exist without officers than without soldiers and this elementary truth holds good of industry as well as of war 
the organization of modern industry has not been found practicable as yet but the germ of such organization lies unquestionably in the division which has arisen spontaneously between capitalist and workman no great works could be undertaken if each worker were also to be a director or if the management instead of being fixed were entrusted to a passive and irresponsible body it is evident that under the present system of industry there is a tendency to a constant enlargement of undertakings each fresh step leads at once to still further extension now this tendency so far from being opposed to the interests of the working classes is a condition which will most seriously facilitate the real organization of our material existence as soon as we have a moral authority competent to control it for it is only the larger employers that the spiritual power can hope to penetrate with a strong and habitual sense of duty to their subordinates without a sufficient concentration of material power the means of satisfying the claims of morality would be found wanting except at such exorbitant sacrifices as would be incompatible with all industrial progress this is the weak point of every plan of reform which limits itself to the mode of acquiring power whether public power or private instead of aiming at controlling its use in whose ever hands it may be placed it leads to a waste of those forces which when rightly used form our principal resource in dealing with grave social difficulties the motives therefore from which modern communism has arisen however estimable lead at present in the want of proper scientific teaching to a very wrong view both of the nature of the disease and of its remedy a heavier reproach against it is that in one point it shows a manifest insufficiency of social instinct communists boast of their spirit of social union but they limit it to the union of the present generation stopping short of historical continuity which yet is the principal characteristic of humanity when they have matured their moral growth and have followed out in time that connection which at present they only recognize in space they will at once see the necessity of these general conditions which at present they would reject they will understand the importance of inheritance as the natural means by which each generation transmits to its successor the result of its own labors and the means of improving them the necessity of inheritance as far as the community is concerned is evident and its extension to the individual is an obvious consequence but whatever reproaches communists may deserve in this respect are equally applicable to all the other progressive sects they are all pervaded by an anti-historic spirit which leads them to conceive of society as though it had no ancestors and this although their own ideas for the most part can have no bearing except upon posterity serious as these errors are a philosophic mind will treat the communism of our day so far as it is adopted in good faith with indulgence whether he look at the motives from which it arose or at the practical results which will follow from it serious as these errors are a philosophic mind will treat the communism of our day so far as it is adopted in good faith with indulgence whether he look at the motives from which it arose or at the practical results which will follow from it it is hardly fair to criticize the intrinsic merits of a doctrine the whole meaning and value of which are relative to the peculiar phase of society in which it is proposed communism has its own way discharged an important function it has brought prominently forward the greatest of social problems 
and if we accept the recent positivist explanation its mode of stating it has never been surpassed and let no one suppose that it would have been enough simply to state the problem without hazarding any solution of it those who think so do not understand the exigencies of man's feeble intellect in far easier subjects than this it is impossible to give prolonged attention to questions which are simply asked without any attempt to answer them suppose for instance that gaul and broussais had limited themselves to a simple statement of their great problems without venturing on any solution their principles however incontestable would have been barren of result for want of that motive power of renovation which nothing can give but a systematic solution of some kind or other hazardous as the attempt must be at first now it is hardly likely that we should be able to evade this condition of our mental faculties in subjects which are not only of the highest difficulty but also more exposed than any others to the influence of passion besides when we compare the errors of communism with those of other social doctrines which have recently received official sanction we shall feel more disposed to palliate them are they for instance more shallow and more really dangerous than the absurd and chimerical notion which was accepted in france for a whole generation and is still upheld by so many political teachers the notion that the great revolution has found its final issue in the constitutional system of government a system peculiar to england during her stage of transition moreover our so-called conservatives only escape the errors of communism by evading or ignoring its problems though they are becoming every day more urgent whenever they are induced to deal with them they render themselves liable to exactly the same dangers dangers common to all schools which reject the division of the two powers and which consequently are forever trying to make legislation do the work of morality accordingly we see the governing classes nowadays upholding institutions of a thoroughly communist character such as almshouses foundling hospitals etc while popular feeling strongly and rightly condemns such institutions as being incompatible with that healthy growth of home affection which should be common to all ranks were it not that communism is provisionally useful in antagonizing other doctrines equally erroneous it would have then no real importance except that due to the motives which originated it since its practical solution is far too chimerical and subversive ever to obtain acceptance yet from the high morality of these motives it will probably maintain and increase its influence until our working men find that their wants can be more effectually satisfied by gentler and surer means our republican system seems at first favourable to the scheme but it cannot fail soon to have the reverse effect because while adopting the social principle which constitutes the real merit of communism it repudiates its mischievous illusions in france at all events where property is so easy to acquire and is consequently so generally enjoyed the doctrine cannot lead to much practical harm rather its reaction will be beneficial because it will fix men's minds more seriously on the just claims of the people the danger is far greater in other parts of western europe especially in england where aristocratic influence is less undermined and where consequently the working classes are less advanced and more oppressed and even in catholic countries where individualism and anarchy have been met by a truer sense of fraternity communistic disturbances can only be avoided finally by a more rapid dissemination of positivism which will ultimately dispel all social illusions by offering the true solution of the questions that gave rise to them
the nature of the evil shows us at once that the remedy we seek must be almost entirely of a moral kind this truth based as it is on real knowledge of human nature the people will soon come to feel instinctively and here communists are without knowing it preparing the way for the ascendancy of positivism they are forcing upon men's notice in the strongest possible way a problem to which no peaceable and satisfactory solution can be given except by the new philosophy that philosophy abandoning all useless and irritating discussions as to the origin of wealth and the extent of its possession proceeds at once to the moral rules which should regulate it as a social function the distribution of power among men of material power especially lies so far beyond our means of intervention that to set it before us as our main object to rectify the defects of the natural order in this respect would be to waste our short life in barren and interminable disputes the chief concerns of the public is that power in whosever hands it may be placed should be exercised for their benefit and this is a point to which we may direct our efforts with far greater effect besides by regulating the employment of wealth we do indirectly modify its tenure for the mode in which wealth is held has some secondary influence over the right use of it the regulations required should be moral not political in their source general not special in their application those who accept them will do so of their own free will under the influence of their education thus their obedience while steadily maintained will have as aristotle long ago observed the merit of voluntary action by converting private property into a public function we would subject it to no tyrannical interference for this by the destruction of free impulse and responsibility would prove most deeply degrading to man's character indeed the comparison of proprietors with public functionaries will frequently be applied in the inverse sense with the view that is of strengthening the latter rather than of weakening the former the true principle of republicanism is that all forces shall work together for the common good with this view we have on the one hand to determine precisely what it is that the common good requires and on the other to develop the temper of mind most likely to satisfy the requirement the conditions requisite for these two objects are a recognized code of principles an adequate education and a healthy direction of public opinion for such conditions we must look principally to the philosophic body which positivism proposes to establish at the apex of modern society doubtless this purely moral influence would not be sufficient of itself human frailty is such that government in the ordinary sense of the word will have us before to repress by force the more palpable and more dangerous class of delinquencies but this additional control though necessary will not fill so important a place as it did in the middle ages under the sway of catholicism spiritual rewards and punishments will preponderate over temporal in proportion as human development evokes a stronger sense of the ties which unite each with all by the threefold bond of feeling thought and action End of section twelve